Okay, it's May 13th, I think, and we are here for another round of group coaching. So welcome to room one. Today I came prepared and I put the model up on the board. So if anybody needs a review, you can see here, this is the kind of the basic coaching tool we use among others, but this is kind of the backbone of it. So just to review, we have our uh, things that are external to us, which is our circumstances of life. Let's make sure you can see that. There we go. And um, circumstances trigger our thoughts. Thoughts then will um, make us have feelings, just neurochemical reaction in the body. Um, and our feelings drive our actions and actions or reactions and our actions are what produce our results. And you'll notice when you use this model that the result will then always tie back to what you were thinking um, so that's kind of it in a nutshell, but just wanted to have that available. Um, so I will throw it out there for anybody who would like to have coaching today. Um, and yeah, so if you want to rename yourself, that's fine. If not, then I can rename you something random. You can get coaching by going to the little, um, bar at the bottom and by raising your hand or sometimes I don't see that right away. Sometimes it's easier if you go into the chat section um, or you can go into the Q&A section. So I'll try to keep my eyes peeled on that. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit for people to kind of straggle onto the call as well. Everybody's busy. So if there are uh, any topics to cover, please let me know. Anything, anything. Um, I can kind of keep chatting since I don't like the silence. If there's anything you all want coaching on. Um, I have been working with a coach myself. I had my session earlier today and had a breakthrough. What I didn't realize I was doing I'm having this kind of thing with money where I feel like there's scarcity and I'm not going to make enough money to like make the bills to pay the bills. And, and I want to do more coaching. And so I have it in my brain that I would have to decrease the amount of surgery I do. And in order to free up time to do more coaching. And I have all this like scarcity around that. And it was so fascinating because what we discovered is that all of this like not enoughness is actually in all of the thoughts I have about the future. And in reality, like the here and now is like plenty. So it was a little bit of like, a, oh, geez, I didn't even catch myself that I was like worrying about this not enoughness that's not even occurring right now. It's occurring in the future. So um, okay. Okay, cool. We have our hand raised. Let's see here. Um, okay. Alrighty. So rainbow, that is awesome. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to promote you to panelist and then you can keep your video off and, um, just unmute yourself and we can get going. Okay. You hear me? Yeah. Okay. So actually something you just, you just said, I figured I could use some help on because, uh, time scarcity, like mm -hmm. for me, so that not enoughness. Cause yeah. I've definitely had 
toughness about money, about, you know, love, self-love, all that type of stuff. But Mm -hmm. time, I just, I feel like I have no time and I can't figure out how to make it feel like I don't feel like I don't have enough time. (laughs) Okay. So let's work with that thought. I don't have enough time. Yes. What What does that mean? So it means I feel like I want to do more leisure and more like family time. I don't necessarily feel like I need to do more work, mm-hmm. but my fear is that if I cut back too much at work, more that I'll lose my skills. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not quite as worried about the money, you know? Yeah. As having to limit my scope of practice. Um, That's that interesting. Makes- so, um, if, so you think if you cut back, in order to free up more time for your other activities you want to do that you'll lose skills. Yes. Okay. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, like- as, as a surgeon, and now I, I realize every surgeon's different, but mine's very clinic heavy. So I have mm-hmm. to see us. I mean, there's probably only a 30% operative rate out of the patients mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. So I have to see a certain amount of patients to bring them to the OR to the, um, do those cases. And there's certain things that are very common that I definitely won't lose my skills on, but mm-hmm. there's other things that unless you, it seems like, unless you see enough patients, you won't see them often. And then I'm going to grow uncomfortable. And then I'm going to have to, um, limit my scope. More. Okay. There it is. So let's see, you'll, you'll, um, if you cut back, you'll lose your skills and then you'll have to limit your scope. Okay. So, so what if you have to limit your scope? Then I'm afraid I'll get bored. (laughs) Okay. I'm writing a little like flow, flow, a thought flow thing for me here. So if I cut back, I'll lose skills. Mm -hmm. Then I'll have to limit my scope. And then, then I'll get bored. And then what? And then I won't like my job. And I won't like my job. Okay, then what? Like, so what? Uh, good point. I feel like I spend so much time doing my job that I want to like it. This is also something that I just discovered. Um, like, what makes up our identity? Yes. And it is, I think, a kind of a common thing for women surgeons to basically have their identity very strongly identified by being a surgeon. Yeah, absolutely. And anything that might threaten that is risking like, like destruction, basically. Like, like not like not not world destruction, but like internal, like so it's like, an, it's like an identity crisis is what I'm trying to say. And that I'm um, not enough. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this is super <laughs> fascinating. Okay. So let's think about this. If you lose your, so if you, okay, sorry, I'm, I'm, I just want to back up here. And because I think this is super, super important for everybody who watches this and who's listening to pay attention to this because we spend an inordinate amount of time becoming this thing, this yes. certain And during that time, we probably don't 
foster other aspects of our being. Now, maybe that's changing now, but at least when I came through about 15 years ago, it was like, you didn't, you didn't like do other stuff. You didn't, you didn't even like, it didn't even occur to you (laughs) to do, (laughs) to do anything else. And then you get done and it's not like exactly what you thought it was going to be, but you're like, okay, well, this is what I do. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. And then for a whole bunch of other reasons, which we can get into if you want, we keep going at that pace, which in my opinion has to do with social conditioning. And then basically we are working, 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 being the surgeon, being the surgeon, being the surgeon. And then now it's like, oh, wait a second, but I'd like to spend a little time like reading a book sometimes. Yeah. Or I'd like to maybe rest maybe a little bit or, you know, like all these other things. Or a lot of it. Right. And so not only do we like not have the, um, like, it's like we desire it, but we don't have a a strategy to even understand how we deserve that, or it's even necessary for health and survival because it threatens our identity. Like that's kind of what I'm just like spewing this right now. Yeah. So let me say that again, you would like, you feel like you have like this concept of time scarcity because Mm -hmm. you want more leisure Mm -hmm. and you don't feel like you have enough time. Right. And if you, if you cut back to develop that time, you'll lose your surgical skills. And then you think you'll have to limit your scope of practice. And then that'll mean that you'll get bored and then that'll mean you won't like your job. And then that'll mean, uh-oh, like it kind of boils down to who you are as a human, right? Yes. Um, so it's all thoughts, right? Like all of it. True. So what is the underlying thought error here? Let's try to figure that out because it's like this cascade. Mm-hmm but I wonder mm-hmm. what lies all of it underlies all of it. What belief do you think is there? Well, I guess one of them, I mean, you brought up is that I have to like my job, like, you know, I want to like my job. Sure. <laughs> Cause I'm doing it. I don't know that that would work for me to do a job. That's just a job. I mean, it would, but. I don't know if I would enjoy it. Like just showing up and kind of going through the motions and, um, you know, just doing it. Mm-hmm. But what if, what I mean, if- there may be ways, just because I limit, it, limit my scope doesn't mean what I still do won't feel interesting, I guess, you know? Well, what if all of it's just made up? What if it's all just a story that has been written in your brain Mm -hmm. about who you are and, you know, how you view time? Could it be that there's a lot more to you than just, 
you know, than just being a surgeon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would it look like to kind of figure out who that is? Um, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think when we enter training, even if we want to do other stuff, <laughs> this is me and the time scarcity again, I feel like we don't have time for it because I'm literally physically exhausted and in the hospital so much. And then you lose that along the way and then you don't know anything else. Mm -hmm. And so then you just keep doing that. And also it's partly a cultural thing. I don't think I know hardly any surgeons that aren't workhorses, you know, mm -hmm. that don't just work a lot. Um, so I, yeah, it's almost a hard concept for me to develop because I don't have any mentors or any, you know. Right, right. And then like, um, we as female surgeons, it's like, you just go to work for that part of your job, right? Then you come home and you have this whole other job to do often, mm -hmm. not always, mm -hmm. I don't want to generalize, but often just because of the way we are, you know, imbued with these uh, values, which we don't even ask for. They're just kind of like given to us from birth. Then all of a sudden we're like, oh yeah, but um, like, so even time. So since it's all made up anyway, like we all have the same amount of time and you get home from the hospital and how do you view your time? Yeah, that I have to get stuff done around the house and spend, if I can, spend time with the kids and they still don't have time for me. So that leisure part is really for me. Right. So what, what would it take for you to consider yourself important enough in this story to give yourself something that you desire or that frankly you need, like human beings need rest. We need downtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's definitely something that was ingrained to me from a young age. I mean, I had parents who were busy bodies and mm -hmm. downtime was not valued. So mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I think in my head, it's hard for me to think that that's valuable. Yeah. So that might be something you could take a closer look at. Like, you know, I, you know, if you're thinking I don't value downtime, but you really want some downtime. And that probably creates a little cognitive dissonance, right? Where it's like, yeah. it doesn't like, it's not like checking out. Um, but that's an opportunity then to step into something or grow in some direction. Right. Feeling like that's okay. Exactly. Like, what if you do have enough time? Yeah, I guess where I get stuck is there's only 24 hours in the day. So mm -hmm. if I stop doing leisure, I've got to, or sorry, if I start doing more leisure, I've got to take it from somewhere else. And I'm so used to over-prioritizing definitely my career and getting, quote, stuff done, like mm -hmm. bills and, you know, appointments. And it definitely, definitely is a matter of what I choose to prioritize. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you get to choose, do you get to choose or are you in a position in your household where you get to choose some of these things? 
sometimes I've done a lot of work with my husband over the last, I would say six months to try mm-hmm. to make me, give me more of a position to choose. Yeah. And, and I've hired a lot of help. Cool. That's awesome. Um, let me, I just want to grab some notes I had taken earlier. Cause I wonder if the same thing, um, my scarcity thing, um, I think one thing you were saying, not to interrupt what you're doing, but I think I have always prioritized what I think gives me a sense of security, like, like money and work and, you know, like what I do and, you know, making sure the bills are played and then leave and then lowest on the list are things like leisure. So it does have a lot to do with priority. Mm -hmm. So this is something my coach did on me. It was like this total ninja move because I was having this issue about like money scarcity. And I was thinking like in terms of like a zero sum game, right? Because in scarcity, whatever we're scarce about is like a zero sum game. It's like, if, if I have more than somebody else has less, or if I have less than somebody else has more sort of thing. But what Mm -hmm. if there's just enough And it's more like coming from more of an abundant mindset, which I know there's only 24 hours in a day, but if you have freedom to prioritize within that, then like looking at what thoughts are coming up for you to, that creates your prior prior prioritization system, Mm -hmm. um, then like why certain things rise up as a priority, but other things don't. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to build you a watch here. <laughs> this is my husband. <laughs> He's like, just get to the point. Don't build me a watch. Just tell me what time it is. Don't build me a watch. Um, so anyway, like what if it was actually what I'm, tr- what I'm trying to get at is how prioritizing your leisure mm-hmm. actually then benefits everybody. Mm-hmm more than prioritizing paying the bills or prioritizing, you know, whatever else on the list. Yeah, I think leisure was never valued in my household growing up. And I don't know how much society, I mean, we obviously pay a lot for entertainment, but we don't really encourage people to just go, like, we reward people for working really hard at their jobs and for, you know, running a good household and quote, you know, and as I say, being a good mom by spending a ton of time with your children and, you know, stuff like that. And last on the list is just doing what I want to do purely for fun. Like you said, read a book, a fiction book, purely for fun. Yeah. <laughs> Reading a book, taking a nap, Mm-hmm. Just letting your brain rest, just letting your body rest. Yeah, um, I admit I don't see any. I do see value in it rationally, but when we're talking about it, I'm realizing how little I actually put value on that. Yeah, that is something. I think we should really like dig into this for everybody. Um, Amy just joined, so I'm gonna allow her to talk. Hey, Amy. Hi there. Hi, how are you? We're, oh, I'm good. So I'm talking with Rainbow and we are talking about time scarcity. 
And we're talking about, um, I'll just, I'll just recap. So rainbow would, she desires more leisure time, but thinks that she doesn't have enough time. And then what we uncovered was the sequence of thoughts that come where if rainbow gets more leisure time, that means she has to sacrifice something and that would be work. And if she decreases, if she cuts back, she'll lose her skills. And then if she loses her skills, so she'll have to limit her scope of practice. And then if she limits her scope of practice, she'll get bored. And then if she gets bored, she won't like her job. And then we were talking about how that can actually be kind of like, kind of a threatening sort of a feeling because we all like we're, we identify as surgeons. So if we don't like what we do, it's almost like we don't like ourselves. Um, of course, is all thoughts all made up, all just a story, all in the future of stuff that has not happened. So we were talking about that too. And then we backtracked a little bit about like what, what it even means to like think you don't have enough time. And we were talking about um, like how we prioritize our time the ways that we do choose to do that. So that's kind of catching, catching you up. Great, um, thanks. Yeah, and, and I wanted to do that because I think this is a really, really important topic for everybody. So poor Rainbow, I'm like beating her up with this <laughs> because <laughs> I really wanna like sink into it and just understand a couple things. For the first concept I was hoping we could really kind of put out there is our, our identity and when we identify so heavily with something outside of us and we don't have that like really strong sense inside of us, not saying that this is you rainbow. I'm, I'm talking more like along myself, what I, what I experienced myself where like, I oh, identified, go ahead. No, I said, I'll jump. I'm, I agree. I jump in. I'm on that boat. <laughs> so like you identify so much with being a surgeon and these things outside of you, like we don't even know really who we are. Sometimes we don't even know what we like. Sometimes we don't even know um, like what really makes us tick or like gives us passion or, or joy or pleasure. Like we don't, we are completely disconnected from that when all of those things can contribute to an internal sense of identity. So it's like, that's not even really developed for many people. So that's one thing that I think is really important for us to kind of touch on. And then the other thing is, is like when you do kind of value your, like your, your sense of self-worth, like when you really understand that you are a worthy human being and you are willing to go to bat for yourself, like your identity, your self-identity is so strong that I think people can prioritize themselves much more easily, but we're not conditioned to do that at all. We're like conditioned to take care of everybody else and put ourselves mm -hmm. last. So I was trying to make a, make a, um, an argument for, um, just the idea that like, what if taking a care of ourselves was actually the biggest priority and we're like missing it. Right. And where I was getting at is, mm -hmm feeling that reading a book purely for fun, like mm -hmm. total fiction, like romance, trash novel, whatever, you know what I mean? Is mm -hmm. worthwhile. And that, that I somehow that makes still, I'm still worthy, even if I do that. 
Right. But who decides what makes it worthwhile or not? Right. Like in your own brain, are you judging something like that as not being worthwhile? Yes. <laughs> okay. So this is great because now we're kind of like figuring it out, right? Like mm-hmm. now you can ask, well, why do I judge that as being not worthwhile? And then figure out like what belief system is underlying that. So like reading, reading words in on pages of a book is totally noble if it's like Harrison's medicine textbook, but (laughs) reading words on a page of a Fern Michaels book. I know that because I read a lot of fiction and so does my mother. Um, (laughs) But like that somehow reading those words on a book is not noble. It's like we assign, assign this worthiness to one activity or another. And I'm wondering Mm -hmm. what that's all about for you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it comes back to feeling like I need to be something that's quote productive, whatever that means to me, which usually furthers my ability to do my job or take care of my family, not necessarily myself. Yeah. But isn't it interesting that when we don't prioritize ourselves. And I think leisure, pleasure, whatever that looks like for any individual person is crucial because it's like going to the gas station and filling up your gas, your car with gas. Like you cannot run on fumes forever. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel like we do is we're running on fumes Mm -hmm. and then, you know, it's really miserable feeling like that. And then Mm -hmm. also, you know, we, we, we stay further and further disconnected from this identity thing that I was telling you about, like it, that, that running on fumes, doing your job and taking care of everybody else does not bring you into closer alignment with who you are as a human being. It just keeps you separate, keeps your identity out there. Right. And then, so, so then I guess what's so interesting to me is that taking time on a Saturday afternoon to read a fiction book And just like, to me, that's giving your brain rest. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how I look at it is like, Mm -hmm. this is a period of time when you, your, your body is at rest, your brain is at rest, you're, you're, it's producing joyful feelings because you're reading this fun story or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that is like filling up your gas tank. Mm -hmm. And while I would like to argue that we do that so we can take more care of all the other fucking people not ourselves. Like we do that so we can still take care of all the other people. It's not exactly solving the problem, but at least it's like putting yourself at the top of the list Mm -hmm. to start. Anyway, what do you think about that? Yeah. So I think something you just said, like, so I do that so that I can take care of others. And I think that's um, a way to like motivate someone like me or, or us, you know, that are mm-hmm. motivated by that. But I want to feel about good about it, even if I'm not taking care of, or even if it doesn't help me do anything else better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like mm-hmm. just relax for the sake of relaxing, for the sake of pleasure, for the sake mm-hmm. of joy, for the sake of rest. Yeah. Because 
And that's what I think would be really interesting to get to. Yeah. I think I did that as a kid, but I don't think I've done it. <laughs> it is, it's childlike, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love this idea. And I think that it's, you know, obviously sometimes we have breakthroughs in 20 minutes, but a lot of times these are just like uncovering this web of thoughts and then just having awareness about them, what belief systems are, are kind of at play underneath the surface of the thoughts. And then once you're aware of them, you can really question them and say, okay, well, does this work for me? Is this working for me? Well, it is, and I'll keep it. Or no, this really isn't working for me. So I'm gonna dump this. And obviously it takes practice, but um, I think for us as women, like prioritizing our pleasure, our rest, our relaxation for the sake of it, because we're just humans. Yeah. And humans just need rest. Yeah. Period. Like there doesn't need to be any more words after that. Um, I think this is something we should come back to. And Amy, I think, oh, Amy, do you have anything you want to add? No, I mean, I, I deal with this all the time. Uh, you know, it's just the, the idea of, of carving out time for yourself. And the one thing that, um, that in our mind, I think is difficult to overcome is this thought that we can't make time. And which basically means I have absolutely no boundaries when it comes to my, my life, my work, you know, home life, things like that. Mm -hmm. And in some ways to me, this kind of strikes me as like a boundary issue. Like I want to create like this boundary where this is my protected time. And this over here is, you know, protected work time. And this over here is protected family time. And uh, by keeping them sort of like defined in our mind, then it allows you to um, enjoy that space a little bit more, whether it's work or home or, you know, reading something for pleasure. Um, and I kind of uh, gave myself, well, at first I did this strategy like twice um, for two different reasons. And one, I was just trying to read more um surgery stuff. And I was like, well, I can just do 10 minutes a day and that's 70 minutes a week. And mm -hmm. so I made it set a timer and just made myself read that much. Otherwise, you know, I just didn't get anything done. Um, and then I actually went the opposite way is like, I'm going to wake up and, and I'm going to schedule this period of time where I just drinking coffee and reading something for pleasure. And I kind of defined that time as that. And I think that's where the idea that compassionate people have the strongest boundaries. Um, and I think that our time is something that we have to have boundaries on because it's a limited supply. Mm -hmm. And so that's just my, my thoughts when it comes to, you know, allowing yourself the room to accept doing whatever you want, because then you're not really judging what you're reading or what you're doing. Um, you've kind of created this boundary of time of I'm going to do this set task, either work or home or, you know, with family or um, personal and it's protected. And then there's no confusion. That's an interesting strategy, Amy, to really take the emotion out of it. It's like strategic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then it becomes easy too. Um, and I, it, it's just so interesting when I, I'm absolutely fascinated with time and time management and all, because like, how do we do things? You know, like the amount of drama I have about getting up and getting dressed and going for a run is absolutely stupid when I, when I realize it only takes me like 
you know, it's, it's like, I'm like a 10, 11 minute mile person. So if I really run two miles, we're only talking about like, you know, 22 minutes if I remove all the drama about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so uh, it's a little bit easier for me to get to do things that I want and do things that I don't want when I really start to understand how long something takes. Yeah, um, that's interesting. And then also, I think a lot of times we either underestimate or overestimate how long we think something's going to take. And, um, you know, as far as your like calendaring thing, I think that's really helpful for me when I was turning in my final project for this class last week. Um, you know, I, I was like all scared that I wasn't going to have enough time to do these two like big parts of this final project. And so I just decided like, okay, on Saturday, I'm going to do this part. I'm going to give myself X amount of time. And then on Sunday, I'm going to do this second part. And I'm going to give myself X amount of time. And don't, you know, like I just plunked that crap out. I just got it done in the time that I gave myself instead of toiling and toiling and toiling. But that also like, I think, for people that have perfectionist tendencies, which I do, I just had to drop that on purpose. It was very, Mm -hmm. very intentional. I had just had to like nugget out. This is going to be like a minus B plus work. It wasn't B minus. It was a, like a minus B plus work and nugget out, not be a perfectionist about it and just get it done. And, and I did. And I feel like, you know, if we did stuff like that more often in, in the areas of our lives where we're really creating drama, like making things take longer than they need to, like you just described with getting ready for running, that then we would like magically have other time. So I don't know how, if any of that fits into your lifestyle rainbow with like stuff. You, I, I do this over notes. Like I like bitch in my brain about notes so much that I make them take twice as long. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one area where I know I personally kind of like waste my time, but um and- Oh, I wanted to remind folks um, that Neil Fiore book, um, The Now Habit, talks about procrastination and perfectionism. I put the book summary um, in the blog post. It's called uh, it's something like We Procrastinate Because It Works. And it talks yeah. about, the uh, it, and basically it's all the things that we've been talking about, which is removing the drama out of stuff. And, you know, exactly what Jess said. It's like things take as long as we let them take. Um, and by strategically scheduling things, including breaks and doing the breaks ahead of time, are actually a real effective strategy for getting a lot more done with a lot less drama and freeing up uh, more time. He called it guilt-free play, um, but that book summary is in, in our blog post. Yeah, that's a great book. I love that idea of guilt-free play. And I just cannot stress enough how human beings need that. Like to be a healthy, like long, long functioning person, we need it. We just need to take breaks. Um, okay. Well, Rainbow, you're delightful. Thank you so, so much. And I hope you read a trashy novel stat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do we have anybody else who we have about 20 more minutes. Does anybody else have anything they want to comment on or, um, and Rainbow, if you need a list of trashy books, I've got a whole list. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Um, okay. So I'm going to put rainbow back into the audience there. Okay. Um, does anybody else have anything that they would like to talk about today about that or about anything really? We'll let you give you a couple minutes and then Amy, Amy and I can chit chat too. How are you doing, Amy? 
I'm doing great. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're uh, um, doing much better now that you have a little more time on your hands that you finished Kara's uh, advanced training. This, this advanced training was life-changing because what I understand now is the social conditioning part of it. Like the, it was kind of like the missing piece for me, like understanding what is underlying kind of how not all women, I don't want to generalize, but like how a lot of women are socialized to kind of be in the world. And this is not part of our conscious awareness. It's, it's unconscious. It's these belief systems that come back over and over again throughout the generations, like dating, you know, back to biblical times. And even before that, just how much misogyny has been out there. And, um, it's just kind of imbibed by people just generation after generation. And then now we're, we're, you know, surgeons, we are mothers and we are running households and we are just constantly doing all this stuff all the time. We're kind of like bristling in, sometimes we bristle with our coworkers and, and like, it's just so crazy to me to think that like there's these belief systems that everybody has, not, not just me or you, but like one of the interactions that I've been really trying to deconstruct is how a woman surgeon can go, go into the hospital and say words out of her mouth that, you know, are like directed at a woman nurse. And that woman nurse says words back to her that are challenging her. And, you know, um, just it's, it's, I've been using the word bristling, but then a man can, a man surgeon can come and say the exact same words with the exact same tone. And it's like, no problem. Like, what is that all about? And, and what I think is happening is, is that we have these unconscious beliefs about social hierarchies. And so if you expect somebody to behave a certain way based on what what your unconscious belief is, where they are on the social hierarchy, and then that person doesn't act the way you expect them to act, then you naturally respond like negatively or defensively or whatever. So, um, so for example, in that, in that scenario, I just said, the woman nurse expects a woman to be sweet and, and quiet and pleasant and kind and, and demure or whatever all the bullshit stuff is that we've been kind of socially conditioned. Women have been socially conditioned to be, but then when that woman doesn't come across that way, the, that nurse is like, like, ah, her brain doesn't know what to do. And it creates cognitive dissonance. Again, that's like the second time I've used that term this session, but, um, and then they kind of like, get defensive against them. Whereas a man, they expect a man to come and do whatever he wants. So you don't bristle against the man. And I don't know that that's a true fact. I just think that that might be something that's contributing to some of our interactions. I don't know, but that's what my whole final project was on. <laughs> so it was awesome. We talked about everything. We talked about um, intersectional identities where you know women who are also in other, like who, who identify with other more marginalized groups, you know, basically have more and more hardships to face. And then we talked about pleasure and we talked about prioritizing rest and leisure time because women are just not conditioned to think that they give 
like that they're worth it. And I think it's time to change all of that. We talked about money, um, business. It covered like every aspect of life, family relationships. So um, I think maybe I should do a webinar on it or something. Um, okay, that's enough blah, blah, blah by me. <laughs> Rainbow says, I know men love the golf course, don't they? <laughs> and have no problem, by the way, like, I don't think no problem taking the naps. So is, is there anything else that people want to be coached on? Or Amy, is there anything you want to talk about? Oh, good. We have a hand up. Okay, we have a hand up. I'm going to rename you really quickly to um, As you're doing that, you know, just a point that I think that we've seen, I've seen, I've seen here, certainly uh, the golf thing reminded me because there's like the stereotypical, like older white male surgeon mm -hmm. at our hospital. I've actually seen a couple of them now they're getting close to retirement age and it's like, they're hanging on to the job. And I, and I, I think that's a real lesson for us because I don't think that they were ever taught to do anything else. They don't have hobbies. They don't read trashy novels, shame on them. Um, you know, <laughs> I think that they're just not cultivated to learn some of these hobbies and you know, other things outside of the job. And so I think that's the pitfall of the all encompassing job is that we don't have the job anymore. Like, what does that, what does that mean about you? And uh, I think that we, when we plan to do these things for ourselves that we should keep that in mind is that it's necessary for like our natural progression of our career too. Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay. Hawaii, you are up. Okay. Uh, this is kind of silly, but when you said that if we don't identify as surgeons, we sort of are unhappy with ourselves. And this is something I've been struggling with since COVID last year, you know, when we sort of all had to detach from this um, thing that we identify with so much. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's been a really good thing because I know for me, it's, it's led me to believe that this is not the number one thing anymore, mm -hmm. but I'm still struggling. <laughs> and this is like a coaching, like, tell me what to do, please. Or give me some <laughs> advice more than anything. It's like, but when you say that it makes so much sense, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know what I, what I, what I like. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know. And it's kind of like, you know, well, you know, rainbow wants to read a novel. I don't even think I like reading. Like, I don't, I I'm like at the basics of this, you know, it's like so crazy. You know, I got out all my needlepoint and my knitting and I used to do that in med school. And I'm like, I don't like this. This is stupid. And, and so it's just, it's kind of difficult. And, and it goes along with what Amy was saying. I don't want to be one of those surgeons who retires and has like nothing to do because I never did anything else. And, um, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't even know what my point is. It's just, that just totally struck a nerve with me when you said that and it's, well, it's, it's, yeah. I'm so glad you brought it up because it reinforces the idea that our identities that we have all kind of put on, it's like, you know, choosing this outfit and we've put it on and it's like, you take that outfit off and you're freaking naked. <laughs> what am I going to wear now? It's, so you have an opportunity here, obviously, um, to figure it out. And 
I think that's where just that sort of like internal curiosity thing can come in really handy and try stuff, right? Like you try it. Does this work or not work? And then don't beat yourself up when stuff doesn't work because you're just figuring it out. That would be my idea. What do you, what about you, Amy? What about like, uh, the only thing I really remember was that you're saying something about being naked. As <laughs> I'm just making really silly metaphors. That's all. Um, no, I'm just like saying that, you know, when, when we identify so strongly with something outside of us, like surgery in this example, cause this, this could go for anybody who really just has this identity, right? Like, um, it's almost like our own, our own internal sense of who we are is, is, has not been developed. And yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So, so what does it take to develop that? Like, I think it just takes investigation. Like you just have to try stuff and see if you like it or not. And then ask your question, uh, ask yourself questions about it all along. Like, you know, it seems like it would be super fun actually to like figure out what makes you tick. Um, it's cracking me up because it truly feels like a midlife crisis sort of moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. And yeah, not necessarily a crisis, uh, you know, but just that sort of like halfway. I don't know. Well, it's like an identity kind of, crisis. It's like it's coming. Yeah. It's yeah. Like what's and going on here? I have a question. It's like Hawaii. when people who have kids and their, their kids go to college and then they're empty nesters. It's like, what then? You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it, it, that's how I feel right now. <laughs> I, I have a question for Hawaii. I have a feeling I already know the answer. How far are you out of residency? Um, six years. Yeah. But you know, I've seen a lot of people like I'm 11 years out. Um, and there's, you know, I guess once you sort of like hit your stride, yeah. Then I think there's always this like whisper of like, well, what next? Yeah, I kind of mm -hmm. got this now. And uh... <laughs> the finish line thing, right? There is no finish line. <laughs> I kind but of it's... agree, but I kind of also think it's a little different for me. It wasn't necessarily what's next. I was just like, is there something like, is there more? Because what I have noticed for my own life is, is I'm so, I, it feels like a grind to me. And of course, this is just my thoughts. I'm like, really, if I died, am I going to wish I had spent one more day at the flipping hospital? No, mm -hmm. I'm not going to wish that I'm going to. And so that's where I'm like, you know, all of this started when I basically did have a crisis about five or six years ago, like couldn't get out of bed kind of crisis. And this whole coaching journey has like opened up these ideas about what more is out there. And even, even now today with my own coach earlier, when I was talking to rainbow, I told her, I'm like, we got to the end of this whole thing. Cause I'm trying to figure out how to grow my, my one-on-one -on -one coaching business. And I have it in my head that I have to decrease surgery to increase the coaching business. And like, she goes, it sounds like, um, the thoughts about yourself are that you identify as a surgeon. You don't identify as a coach. And, and that's like where the disconnect is. And she's a doctor too. And so it's like, she totally gets it. She's like, if you're really identifying as a surgeon, you're never going to be able to see yourself as a coach. And I'm like, oh, dang, I really do. I identify as a surgeon. What else is there? Like, what else is inside of me? And 
for you, Hawaii, I mean, it sounds like you're trying some stuff and you, you're noticing what you don't like. And that's yeah. really good information. Yeah, it is, it's all very interesting. <laughs> hmm. I love this talk. This is really fun. Okay, um, did you wanna add anything else? I wish I could tell you I had a magic wand to uh, like help you know what you want. Yeah, <laughs> I'll figure it out. <laughs> it's a process. Thank you. It's a process, but curiosity. I, you know, what's interesting about both Rainbow and Hawaii, um, and this is like just an observation, you know, as surgeons, we're so used to everything being hard. We kind of touched on this in my last call too. We're so used to everything being hard is that sometimes even I think we're even having drama about hobbies, <laughs> you know, know, like you feel like, I mean, have you ever just done something just for the hell of it, you know? And it's so mm -hmm. funny. Cause like, like the thought of us doing something just for the hell of it, whether it's knitting or reading and stuff, it's like, we make these judgments of these things. Like, well, that's just, it's too easy. So there's gotta be something wrong with it. Well, people do like easy stuff all the time. And I think the hardest part for us as surgeons is that we're used to stuff being so hard and taking so much time and having to be the best at it, that it's hard to release that expectation and not make even hobbies stressful. Right. Because our identities is as surgeons. <laughs> like we can't identify with anything else. Because well, this, this is a little this is a little anecdotal, but we had a Christmas party um, and at, uh, it was at a bowling alley. And it's so funny just to put it, a bunch of surgeons bowling because, of course, none of us are like all that great at it. But like, damn it, we want to be the best. Everybody wanted to be the best. <laughs> no. Just, just enjoy it. <laughs> Round up a bunch of type A people and have them bowl. I'm sure it was like a competition. It's, it's really fascinating. Um, and then how do we, it sounds like Hawaii is not having the, like the, the self-judgment about it though. It sounds like Hawaii is really um, like interested in pursuing other, you know, other aspects of life. And whereas Rainbow, while she's interested in pursuing other aspects of life, has some judgment about, you know, about whatever else is going on or prioritizing herself or, you know, things like that. And so I think for us as coaches, and then, you know, as humans to always be thinking like, what am I making this mean about me? And then just trying to understand what that is from a very compassionate place and like not judging ourselves for it and just kind of opening up to what we might want to create in our lives, what, you know, it doesn't even have to be creation because we're all like, okay, as we are, like, we don't need to change. We're already enough. And what will it take to kind of believe that and, and really kind of hold, like be our own inner expert and like trust ourselves in that way. Like we're, we're external experts in whatever surgery we do, but like we're not internal experts, like knowing what's best for us and really doing that. Um, anyway, do you have anything else you'd like to add or does do we wanna do some speed coaching for the last few minutes? I'm super excited. I'm getting ready to go into a, a weekend of call 
everybody's been getting completely hammered lately on call here in sunny Southern California where gravity is turned up and children are breaking bones on the regular. Amy, do you have any parting words? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. You're like, no, that's fine. <laughs> I'm actually, I was just thinking, and this is just means is a little bit mean to say it, but I am not, well, I'm on call for the practice, but I'm not on call, but I completely agree with you. I think people have lost their ever loving mind. And I've seen, um, my calls have been like insane lately. I know call man. Ugh, call. That's another thing we can tackle on one of these calls. Call, on Ooh, call. I do have, I wonder with the, if, um, the folks on, if they wanted to give any kind of feedback about the website, the blog, the coaching, the Facebook group, is there anything that they like and anything they don't like anything that we can improve on? That's a great idea, Amy. I think we should send out an email to, um, to room one asking for that. Cause I think it's, it's a good time to do that. We've been going for six, seven months now. And it's really good to course correct. All right. I just like feel myself so tired all of a sudden. It's the weirdest thing. Um, maybe I'll go get my trashy novel. Although I read spy novels, rainbow. So I give you permission. You can totally start reading whatever novels you want. Um, we love you, Amy, Kelly, and I love you so much. And we're grateful that you're here and we hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you at the next event. Here we go. Oh, good. Somebody, oops, I'm sorry. I didn't rename you. Let me rename you really quickly. Um, I don't know if this will change your name. Okay. I really like the setup, but might suggest specific Facebook group for room one members alone. Ooh, that's a great idea. Um, that's a great idea. Uh, what was it? it's okay. Sorry. Let me read it out loud. I really like the setup, but might suggest a specific Facebook group for room one members alone to discuss things. Um, that's brilliant. I think one of the reasons why I hadn't, um, or we hadn't done something like that was trying to keep people's identity, you know, kind of, um, protected, but I mean, obviously you could all just choose your own you know, what you want to share or whatever. I think that's a great idea. Probably pretty easy to do. I think that, yeah, totally easy to do. I think that's a great idea. We yeah. could easily do that. Let's do it. Done. That was an amazing suggestion. Thank you so much. We're going to get that done right away. All right, folks, have a great rest of your night. We will see you on the next call. Thank you for participating too. We love you.